Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Hello, everybody. I really hope you are doing well and holding on where you can. It is truly a season of shift and transformation right now. Mary Lynn Lewerk, who is a dancer, a poet, a photographer, teacher, artist of all kinds, right here in Denver, always inspires me. And she asked the question recently, not, how's your fall going? But instead, how are you falling these days? And I, I really love this season. Most of all, I love the light and how it, it turns from this bright, hot summer light to a more golden light. It's really mesmerizing to me how the light is so different, even within a few weeks and how the edges of the day are more crisp, and, and it certainly in Colorado anyway requires some layers that you end up shedding and then putting back on. And to me, this September, early October time feels like the new year, and it always has, partly because I love the school supplies and the new socks and the hoodies and the warm drinks and the cool morning walks. And I love the sounds of fall. I love the crunch and all of it. I'll take all of it. Even the the little bit of dread of the deep winter that's coming, the hibernation and the time to distill. There's a quietness that's that's coming that I enjoy and I also sort of dread and worry about a little bit. Um, and things are falling. The leaves my daughter, my patients, my body, my expectations, my places where I pretend, all of these things are falling for me. And some to be picked up again and others left to shed a skin and become something else. As a dancer my whole life, I have always been asked how to fall well, or how to fall into the next thing, how to fall up into the air, or into the ground, the next move, how to fall to the person who's supposed to catch me, how to fall into the moment. And so it's always the question of how will I fall? And will I be good? Will I be okay? Will I be saved after the fall? And so I guess maybe for the first time, for the first fall ever, I'm asking myself and maybe also asking you, instead of saying, how's your fall? I'm loving the question Mary Lynn has gifted me. How are you falling? And because this is like my new year, I like to take stock and decide my studying patterns and sort of cinch in this discipline 
as the as the light narrows and clarify what wants to be clarified and let loose the rest. So the things that I'm falling into a daily adventure outside small or big is kind of to be determined but time to wander without a plan outside seeing and breathing and noticing and pointing whatever the weather wherever the sun a non-negotiable adventure outside every day for the rest of the year with the kids or without the kids with or without the dog somewhere outside though it doesn't need to be epic but it could be and I even thought okay sometimes the adventure can be wandering around on my own land putting putting our yard and our garden to sleep for the winter sometimes that's enough of an adventure I'm also falling into a season of sharp intuition the darker the days and this is kind of how I've always been, the darker the days, the more I tend to feel an unrivaled connection to the unconscious. And that's coming in strong for me, thank goodness, because (laughs) there's a lot of practical things that aren't making as much sense. And y'all know I've talked a lot about the elements in this podcast and, and, and how they can work in our practice and in our lives. And I'm personally finding my way back to water these days, more flexibility, less stress, more flow, a little bit less grind, more rinse, less holding on so tightly. So sitting in a bath every night is part of my falling plan. And I'm working on finding my way home. There's so many ways to come home to yourself. So I would ask you, Kind of as you listen to this and as you start to take stock in these next few weeks, how are you coming home? How are you falling these days? My kids, who are two and six, they fall a lot. They fall down pretty much all the time, literally. (laughs) And up until recently, I would get sort of frustrated because it's like, there's literally nothing there that you could have tripped on, but they just start sailing around without control of their limbs. And then they'll just fall down in the middle of a perfectly normal moment and crash. And I've started to try to, to love it, the falling part, instead of bracing for the unsettledness that it has. I had to find a way to be enchanted with it because it was happening too much not to. And I try now to see it as transformation, as learning, as just inhabiting their bodies um, in the way that they should be right now. Mary Lynn said something else I loved. She said, when did we learn to hide our learning or that we are even learning? Seems the farther we get from the ground, the more reasons we have not to return there. Oh, that really hit me. There's so much truth in that for me. How did we start to hide our learning? Along with this being the the season, of course, for new school supplies, 
You know, I love the the new sticky notes, the new pens, fresh paper, new journals. I'm stocked with all those things now. This is also the season for new teachers. And I I feel like I'm due for that. I'm watching right now intently for new teachers, people and places to study things that I haven't discovered yet. I'm really hungry for that. And this is a great time of year to call in new teachers. I took a a hike last week with my dear friend Gina Caputo, and we have this rhythm together. And usually on the way up the mountain, one of us just downloads kind of a tell-all about everything that's going on since the last time we hiked professionally, personally, in our marriages, all the nuts and bolts and the feelings. And we try and put words to the everything that we are experiencing. And there's nothing that we skip and nothing that's off limits. And the other person listens and offers kind of a small response here or there. You know, maybe maybe some kind of help or just some space holding words, but mostly listening as the other person downloads. And then at the top, we switch. And so on the way down, the other person tells their story. And so by the end of this long hike, we both have full cups and hopefully some new insight into ourselves just by telling our story and into each other. And it's one of my my favorite things I have, these hikes with Gina And on our latest one, I was talking on the way back down the mountain, and I told her about something that I'm trying to change. So in order to claim quiet meditation and movement time for myself, I need to get up very early at like five before anybody's awake. And in order to do that and feel reasonable, then I need to go to bed around nine or so, um, which usually only gives me about one and a half or two hours if I'm lucky at night after the kids are in bed to myself. But because I tend to spend that the whole day caretaking and writing and cooking and cleaning and transporting and podcasting and organizing and managing and going <laughs> by 7.02 p.m., when the kids are in bed, hopefully, I'm, I'm weary. I just feel kind of heavy and weary. So my routine has been I put on PJs right then and make tea and then get in my actual bed under the covers and pull in my computer and zone out to a Netflix show. And then I crash by nine, which is fine. Um, but because I was doing this every night, I was starting to feel like it it was the only part of my day that felt just kind of gross and empty. And and I don't want you to hear me wrong. I, I love and advocate for a good show on a regular basis, but I was just kind of falling into the arms of that out of complete exhaustion. And it didn't really feel like a potent choice every single night or a conscious choice. So I was talking to Gina about this and... um saying to her that there are so many books I want to read, but but haven't had time to. And so I wanted to start changing the habit so that in the evenings, I curl up with a book most of the time and only sometimes a show. 
and that that was a choice I could make. And I was telling her I was going to do the same thing, like PJs at 7.02, tea, hop into bed, read. And then she stopped me on the mountain, and, and she said, can I make a suggestion? And I said, yes, please, because I was already starting to to dread this habit change Though I knew that it would be something I would love eventually, once it it got started, I was just kind of feeling this resistance to it. And, And Gina said, change the location. She said, it's essential to changing the habit. And this felt so simple and so brilliant. I think she's so right. So I moved this new reading ritual to downstairs. I still got on PJs. I still you know, um, got myself softer and ready for a little bit of downtime. But I moved the ritual to downstairs instead of getting right in bed, which is perfect because now it's kind of fire season and a good reason to stay down there. So I'm falling in that direction. And the location, the new scenery is beginning to help secure that new habit that I want to create. Every season, I declutter my home. I decide what's essential, and then I lose the rest. It is spiritually, I found that it is spiritually essential for me to do this, and I depend on it for my peace of mind. Luckily, I am married to somebody who feels the same, and we literally have dates where we pour fun drinks and go from room to room getting rid of things that don't serve us anymore that we feel like are heavy and stagnant. It's one of my favorite things. And I think Matt would say the same, that it's one of his favorite things. Right now, I am reading five different books. One, and these these are books I'm trained to read during that one and a half, two hours in the evening and stealing some time during the day if I can, but mostly this is evening reading for me. So one book is about potty training. Um, One is about organic gardening. In particular, I'm interested in learning what it has to say about soil because my garden was kind of a disgrace this year and I want to learn and make it better next year. Um, I'm also reading... Rebecca Solnit, again, and always sort of reading her, paying special attention to her sentence structure and her use of metaphors. Um, I am reading a book called Cassandra Speaks, which is so far phenomenal. I'm not very far into that. And then lastly, another book about joyful toddlers and parenting, because I need some support right now with patience. And that book is offering me some moments at least in theory, where I don't feel crazy. The next thing I'm falling into is inspired uh, by my brilliant friend, Leslie Caldwell. And I hope that you do this too, if you are so inspired. I created an email address for each, each one of my children separately, and I'm writing them letters, telling them about what I see, about what I think about them, I'm writing their birth story, their life story, love notes, things they love and are interested in so I don't forget. And I'm going to give them the passcode later when they're much older. And I thought, you know, this isn't just a beautiful thing, a beautiful practice for kids. I think this is something 
really good to do for your parents or even your best friend or your partner, um, just anybody that feels really special to you. This would be such a gift, a lifetime gift. Um, something else, I have always been drawn to opposites, to pairs of things that are contrasting. I was born on the cusp of Capricorn and Sagittarius, two very different astrological signs, and my personality reflects that cusp, I think. I love the light mixed and paired with the dark and kind of see the significance of both. Um, it's also probably why I've always been drawn to yoga uh, because Hatha Yoga, H-A-T-H-A, Hatha Yoga, is the yoga of sun and moon, active and passive, feminine and masculine, effort and ease. Um, effort and ease is the essential swing of yoga. You have to have both to have a midline, a balance. So these type of pairings are especially interesting to me right now as we enter the new season. Because when we reside all the way on one side of something, usually we find ourselves greatly out of balance. Usually the balance is somewhere that's very much in the middle Somebody told me recently that in terms of balancing glucose and blood sugar, that it's really good to eat some kind of nut butter with your chocolate so that you have a healthy, robust fat to pair with the chocolate. So I've been thinking about pairings like that in food and in um, emotional wellness for balance, like um, pairing all my meals with some kind of movement a walk or a stretch feels really good. Pairing stress, that stress stories that come up with wiggling, tapping, bouncing, shaking, kind of immediately, not waiting for that, just starting right away because stress tends to thrive when we're still and stuck and sort of paralyzed in a moment. Um, I am trying to pair play with preparedness and um, I'm luckily right now preparing cake with alongside pairing that with a heavy dose of veggies. So if I'm indulging in something really fun and sweet and um, kind of off the beaten path from my, you know, the regular things I eat, and then I try to like dose up on something really good for myself and my body because we can't be all one thing. We can't be all one thing. I pulled a lantern card from this deck that I love and that I use every week of these. It's just these beautiful words. Um, and, and each card has a, just one word on it. And they give me something to kind of go on for the day or for the week. And the card I pulled is a picture of a lantern. And the description is kind of talking about how we may not see the path very far in front of us, but we can trust the lantern, the light that is, that is near, that it will be enough light to see where we need to go, even if it's not lighting the whole way down. And most of the time we cannot see the whole way down. We cannot see the whole road and what's coming. And we actually don't need to. We can 
learn to trust our our own footing and our bones and frame to to keep us going, even if we can't quite see, and to know that we are going to fall, but that we will find our way up and there, there will be some learning through that process. Matt, as many of you know, my husband is a musician and he actually um, plays the banjo that you hear at the beginning of this podcast. And he's very talented and he works with, with so many great folks also. And he plays with a fiddle player, Chuck Hugenberg, who's just a brilliant musician. And it's really special to see Chuck play. And Chuck has a daughter. Her name is Hazel and Hazel is blind. And Chuck is her person. And I, I love to look at pictures of Hazel and their whole family. There's three kids in, in total. And you can tell that there's, there's this swirl of movement and activity and action always happening in this beautiful family. All the pictures are full of life and movement. But always, Hazel has her hand somewhere on Chuck's body, on his cheek, holding his elbow, his leg, every single picture. Her little hand is always in contact with him. He is her lantern, I think. And every time I see it, it makes my heart swell. And sometimes, if we are really lucky, we get to be a lantern for somebody else. And what a gift that time period can be. I was recently thinking about Otis, my little reader, He's such a learner and a seeker and a sponge at only six. And Otis um, is not very good at directions. And I've always been this way too. I don't have a good instinct about it and have to map my way back to everything. And it was the same when I was little because I always had my nose in a book when people were driving And I just didn't pay attention to how to get home or to get to wherever we were going. And Otis does this too. And I think we both usually have our minds in some kind of story or some imaginative place that everybody in the car isn't privy to. And so we share this. And Matt, and it seems like Coretta too, already we're noticing, both of them are very sharp and brilliant at directions. And Matt tends to get worried that Otis can't find his way out of a paper bag. So sometimes when we're walking around the neighborhood, he quizzes Otis about how to get home. And because Otis is usually in some kind of movie in his head, he usually gets the answer wrong. And then Coretta pipes up with the correct answer. (laughs) And she and Matt, you know, happily high five And I secretly love it that Otis is not paying attention to the streets because it reminds me of myself when I am at the most free in another land entirely inside of a book or a creative place that that only I can see. And Otis, I know, lives in a place like this most of the time. And so thank goodness for Google Maps because I, I know... When he doesn't know the way home, it's because he's falling around somewhere else that is just as important. 
and that he will always be free there to fall and to be evermore himself. And I think that is my wish for all of us this fall, as we are falling, that we fall towards home and we fall towards ourselves and towards the lantern that is lighting our path, even if we can't see all the way down. Speaking of lighting the path, that is what my patrons do. If you are a patron of Things That Will Help podcast, you are a lantern for me. You are helping remind me that this work is worthwhile and you're helping to uplift and support this community. And if you would like to become a patron in a monthly lantern, please see the show notes on how to support these stories coming to life and know that I am so grateful for that. If you would like to make a Venmo donation instead of becoming a monthly patron, my Venmo handle is also in the show notes. We put these shows out so that they're free to everyone. So your support truly does help. Thanks so much, everybody. Love to all and happy falling. Happy falling.